Thanks for listening to coverage of the Society of Environmental Journalists Annual Conference 2019 in Fort Collins, Colorado. Thanks to all our members and supporters for making this possible. For more information on this and other sessions, look for the 2019 conference agenda at sej.org. I am Bernadette. I used to work in TV. Ironically, Chelsea over here is in my job that I used to have at WJZ. I left six and a half years ago over there to come to Climate Central to work on this project. And it initially started with, as Ed was saying earlier, TV meteorologists. We really had that as our focus. So from there, over time, we've really come a long way in that conversation. And with this opportunity come up with the National Science Foundation to get another grant to expand this program more broadly to journalists of all media. And that was so important to us because this is the biggest story of our time, and people aren't telling it. Not enough. Not in enough of the ways that matter. And you are coming a long way, and you guys are a big reason for that. But for real serious climate action to happen, you heard from the scientists, even if we change things in the next couple of years, we need real sustained action to stabilize our climate. So this is a story that is not going away in the next couple of years. We're only really on that fringe, getting to it what it really means, connecting with people about their community, their family, the things they love, and how that's being affected and what we can do about that. So with this opportunity to build out this team, myself, I was working with Ed and George Mason University, in the Climate Matters with the meteorologist part of it. We were able to bring in Sue for this part, which was so fantastic. We also do work with NOAA and NASA on this project. Another thing too, Society of Environmental Journalists is one of our partners. They've been fantastic. RTDNA, NABJ, NAHJ, and Carol Nealon Project all are part of this project with us. So that's kind of the team and the cohort. Now, it is a free science-based localized climate change reporting resource. It's a program for both TV meteorologists and journalists. We're really working with everybody here. We do it in English and Spanish. So all of our content is translated into Spanish. Don't see as many people here working in Spanish language media right now, but we do work a lot with that. So let's get into this. I'm going to skip that one. We have grown considerably. And that's because of all your great work. And as I was saying, we've come a long way, but we have a long way to go. We're now working with 790 TV meteorologists. And for some perspective, in the US, there's about 2,200. We're also working now with 306 journalists. And we keep adding more and more. And it's so fun because we only really started building out that group a little over a year ago. So again, starting to really get a big group that's engaged on this matter here. Now this, I always have to put this graphic toward the top because of Ed. <laughs> this is how you can sign up to get the information, but as part of this project today, I mean this program today, all of you are going to get signed up to start receiving our information. We send it out weekly. It's a whole host of things that I'm going to go through with you here, but if you need to know where to find this or want to share with any of your friends, medialibrary.climatecentral.org is where you can find all of this stuff that we bookmark. And right up there, that's where you sign up. Right there. There you go, Ed. <laughs> now, this is a searchable media library. It is a little clunky. We're well aware of that. We're going through a website redesign. We are a nonprofit, so it's taken longer than we would like. But all of it is on here. All of the content we've created for the past seven, eight years is really on this site. In addition to the weekly packages that we put out, we have a whole page of resources of some of the things that Sue was talking about, but expanding even a little more so. 
We host regular webinars. We bookmark those there. We can probably put up, some people have asked about the slides. We've put up some workshops in the past too, the slides from the presenters. We could do that there. Um, we also host some of the other types of things that Sue was talking about, which I'll go through for you here. We have reports, interactives, we have a PowerPoint. This was created for some of our TV meteorologists wanted it since they go out to so many classrooms and talk. So it's way too long and complicated, but that was intentional, so you can drop what you want for any of the talks you have to do. And we do have a Facebook page here too. The Climate Matters in the newsroom, there's not a ton of people in that so far. The meteorologist one is pretty robust. There's a really good group in that. And I'm sure some of you have seen these stripes before. This is the Ed Hawkins design few of us are wearing, and I've got them for you guys here who want them. But we started a project that came out of that Facebook page. Jeff Ardelli, he's a meteorologist now at CBS. You can take one and pass around. If you don't want one, that's fine too. But, um, and so he got on there one day when Ed created his design and said, hey, I made this into a tie. Hey, I made some jewelry too. Who wants to wear it on air with me? And we were able to get this group together and called it Mets United, Mets, yes, meteorologists. I'm a Phillies fan, I'm not a Mets fan. Um, and so we were able to get that group all together on the summer solstice to talk about being united on the science of climate change. Now this year we expanded that with Ed Hawkins and Show Your Stripes with kind of the broader theme to get everyone involved. So there's a lot of other things that we do in addition to our weekly packages. So how do we approach this? For those who don't know us, we are a nonprofit and we are focused on the science and the communications, not the politics of us. It's not what you're going to find from us. It's not who we are. We are strictly non-policy. We focus on that science. We localize whenever possible. That's really key to this program because we know it's a global issue, but you feel it personally. You feel it locally. So we try to take that down to a local level. Now, we often do it through data and science that you can then build out into a story, but it's to get you those story ideas going and bring it down to your level. Make it simple and compelling. We also operate on a news cycle. We're not going to put out a snowfall report in July, unless something wild was happening in the Southern Hemisphere. But, um, and it's also free to TV meteorologists and journalists. We get funding for this. So use it, you're free to use it as much as you'd like. And here's an example. I'm gonna go through some of these things kind of quickly because there's a lot of stuff we have in there. And I just wanna give you a sampling of what we do. This is a package that we put together and we do this at least once a month. We do a weekly email that you'll get. But for some of these additional journalist resources that we're trying to pull together, we're up to at least a month of doing it. We're trying to do it more, to give those additional resources that are specific to you. For example, some of the interview opportunities. These are national experts on different topics that we've already identified and have agreed to be interviewed. Ideas for some local interviews for whatever that subject matter is and can help identify some of them, but not necessarily in your backyard but some ideas of where you could go, we always bring you through the data. The methodologies, the citations, all of that, so that there aren't questions on that front. We show other examples of people doing this work, as we just had with this panel, because you get ideas and inspiration from that. And then we do visuals for you also, and really sort of break down what you're finding. So that's one example. Here's another thing that we did, and I don't know how to get it started. Well, that didn't work. Okay, well, it was just, it was a gift that I, oh, and I don't have an apple, so I'm gonna be terrible at this. Sue, so how do I play again? You just click 
Oh, there we go. Okay. In what way? Play. Okay, well, anyway, this is just showing you. Oh, there it goes. There it goes. This was a page we built when Covering Climate Now is doing the big global week. We wanted to focus on some of the local stories that were going on and some of the great work all of you were doing. So we built this entire page that takes you through for some of the newer people, how you can find the science, what the basics of the science are, down through different story examples, and some of the people who are giving advice on what they've done and how they've done it. So there's a whole lot of different good stuff in here. It's a great site to go through. We have the extreme weather toolkits. This is an example of what Sue is talking also. Even if you're not meteorologists, chances are you're getting thrown into some sort of weather coverage at some point, regardless of where you are. So if you want information on that, you can go to these different topics. You can find local data and trends. Also, what is the latest science and things that you can bring into your reporting? Uh, I know a lot of meteorologists who even, you know, if, if you're on TV and there's great video, for example, all the god-awful flooding in Houston, they show that and they come to you. Well, you could get their trends in Houston, even if you're in Baltimore. So you can put up and be that additional science or that additional perspective to this story to really ground it in what's going on. So we've got all these extreme weather toolkits. And here's a quick sampling of the types of things that we put out. Now, we've done a ton in weather and extreme weather because of this program being so rooted with meteorologists. And since extreme weather is one of the primary ways that people experience climate change. But it's not the only way, and we're well aware of that. We get into a lot of different health issues. We get a lot of insight from Ed and all the work he does in the health community. But things like stagnant air, making for worse air quality, smoke wave days out here in the West, that some of our Spanish content also, our pollen season's getting longer because of the longer frost-free season that we're having, and how this is affecting things like mosquitoes and other pests. We also try to connect with ways of life. Beer, football, these are things people relate to. So we try to bring that into your storytelling and we really do try to balance our topics. Some are much bulkier, some are much lighter and, and so that everybody has something that they can tell. Trees, I mean trees, who doesn't love trees? They're so powerful for what they do too. So we were able to go through this really cool data set from the USDA in the Forest Service and pulled out the amount of CO2 that's removed, storm runoff, and air pollution absorbed from trees in a specific market area. So these are the kinds of things you can find. We have a really robust sea level rise team at Climate Central also. For those who are coastal at all and want to find out more, if you don't, come see me or my colleague John's over here too. A lot of really good stuff. And this is one of the big reports that we did with Zillow about home real estate values and new homes being built in areas that are at super high risk for flooding getting even worse in the near future. So this is just a quick sampling. Now from the meteorology side of things, so I think we only, we only have one meteorologist in here today. I think it's really just Chelsea. Um, we tend to have a little bit more. This is a fun passion project of mine. Now we know the people love clean energy. We've seen that through all of our different speakers. Weather power. This is a really cool tool for our meteorologists. Others are welcome to use it, but it's really geared in looking at forecasts right now. So if you want to bring this in somehow, even in your social media, you can go to this site, weatherpower.climatecentral.org. And what it does is it's a huge data programming project that takes a weather API, pairs it with current installations of wind and solar, then aggregates it across a market area and spits out how much is projected 
for the next two days. Then it also gives you all these different metrics. You can break it down more than just a market area. We can do. They, we just added some new geographies, actually. Different states, even co congressional districts, if you want to break it down on lower scales. And we added a whole lot of new metrics on how much that can power. Not just house and homes that are in the area or your percent of daily savings, but we also got into things like how many cell phones charge you know, from that amount. So there's some fun stuff you can find in there, too. Now, I want to show a couple examples of people telling these stories. You know, we heard from two great journalists already. I'm going to show you some TV examples also of what we're seeing to, again, get your juices flowing here. So Monica does a regular series. She does some really interesting stories, brings people into the studio for cool interviews, diving in from scientists to faces of people being affected by different aspects of climate change to people well in the solutions. I mean, she herself is a solar cooker, which I had never heard of before, but she does her cooking through solar power. Not all of it, but some of it, and she's in this group that promotes solar cooking. So really interesting character who does a ton. Um, and it's not just TV. As I said, we're expanding work with all types of media here. And here's some snapshots of, of different stories that we've been seeing popping up here based on some of the, the information we've been putting out. And I think, Tom, yeah, Tom, here you are. We got you up there. Tom Henry's summer 2019 was one of Toledo's hottest. He uh, sent us an email and said, OK, we just went through a not-so-hot week, so my editor thinks climate change is not happening. Can you find me some numbers? So <laughs> we started digging through and finding some information. He was able to build that out. And he's done a lot of different really cool stories. Um, Texas Climate News, with the Texas summers getting hotter and more humid. Uh, young athletes, greater danger. Kansas City sees more hot summer days. We were able to connect some of the heat work with sports in the summertime, and that was really powerful one to put out there. Again, it's people's ways of life, things they're thinking about, and that, that middle that Ed was talking about earlier that may not have a ton of time to really think and be advocates for climate change. They're running their kids to sports practice and trying to get through the day and make lunches for the next day, but they do care, and this is a way to connect with them. They're kids, they're in different sports camps, and they're working on things like that. So report shows wildfires and heat stoking Salt Lake's ozone problem. So there's different ways you can get into this story. Now, here's another thing, and this is something John's been working on a lot here, too. And I'm going to expand that out into a few more examples, doing partnerships journalism. So he's part of our team at Climate Central, and he is building out an entire branch of our work to work with partnership journalism, to really dig deeper into these different stories and do bylines that we share with you. And so he's been able to do a ton of different ones here. And I also wanted to give props to all the print people, too. So I wanted to show TV, we had some radio, some digital, and also some print. And all of these got some front page stories. So how action on climate change is going to shape our future. And that had to do with the Zillow report. So that was some work done in Delaware. If we don't burn it, nature will. This was from the Ledger Inquirer. And then this was also part of some of that same research, looking at prescribed burns with wildfires and fighting fire with fire. And that was on the Sacramento Bay. So there's a lot of different ways you can do this. And if you're still looking for new ideas, even after today, come talk to us, because we're loaded with them. And we'll find something for you. So what we've learned over this time is something we've all kind of talked about in different pieces, but kind of wrapping it together. Knowing your audience, that's such a loaded statement, but know it on topic 
in tone in whether you say climate change or not, what you feel comfortable saying or doing, and what you think your audience wants to or does not want to hear, I guess. I mean, that's up to you to find those words and use them how you want. But knowing your audience and how far to go with the science versus the narrative versus the investigative storytelling versus the solutions journalism. So many different ways to dive into this. Make it simple and compelling. It is a big subject matter. It can be so overwhelming. You can take off these bite-sized pieces and connect with people on things that matter to them. Drop the jargon. Sue already covered a lot of that. You don't have to come up to speed on scientist jargon. If you're asking what does that mean, your audience is going to ask what does that mean. So figure out what it means or ask them to explain it to you, the scientists that you're interviewing, and break it down for them. This is something us weathercasters had to learn a long time ago. You hear, oh, it's going to snow tomorrow? But there's a lot of equations behind that, is it going to snow tomorrow? So this is something we've had to work on for a while. So break it down and drop the jargon. Meet people where they are. If this was purely about information, this subject would have been solved a long time ago. But it's the storytelling. It's drawing out the faces, the people that are involved in this. And meet them on these different subject matters because, unfortunately, climate change has basically affected all aspects of our life. So there are a lot of ways you can connect on this. Personalize it, localize it, and tell a story. Find those faces. We give you a ton of ideas. We are grounded in data and science. And then you guys are the phenomenal storytellers who really know your area. So use these as story ideas to build out and find those faces in your community. So here are just some ideas. This is a snapshot. It's not just weather. I know it's really tiny writing because there's a lot of stuff on there, and I'm sorry about that. But from extreme weather to food land, and seafood, water, health, economy, infrastructure, buildings, roads, coastal flooding, changing oceans, shifting ecosystems, shifting seasons, national security, migration, tourism, sports, lifestyle activities, ways of life, and a boatload of solutions that are going on there right now. So there are, climate change is about all of these types of stories. You don't have to go out looking for a climate change story. You may already be doing them, and chances are you are. So one thing we really and this was said earlier, and we really feel strongly about is just making those connections where they already exist. And that's an easy way to tell a climate change story, because you're already doing the story, you add that line or two. But once you start engaging, you're going to find so many more stories. They're just going to come to you, because there are so many out there. So the more you learn, the more you're going to see how many more there really are to tell. So those are some of the examples. I'll leave you with this picture here, because this one is one that hits me. And we use it with some stuff at work. Climate change is personal. It is local. It is about people. So we thank you again for coming today and helping to tell these stories so that your world does know more about what's going on. So.